welcome everyone to Game Source Podcast episode 43. It's Gerald, better known as Yes Elvis Lives, and we've got Bryce on today. Hello world. And also we've got Stephanie, first time on the podcast. How are you this evening? Um, and I also think we've also got Jeremiah, who's here with us today in the flesh. Hello, hello. All right, that's great. We've got a great show uh, for everybody today. The games are just starting to roll in, and I'm looking forward to all the good stuff that's coming out. I did want to make a quick reminder, everyone, um, that upcoming up in the next few days after you hear this podcast, we are also going to uh, be posting our fall preview, uh, which we taped recently at We Play Games located here in Las Vegas. It was a great shoot, and we're going to be posting the audio and video for that in the near future as well. The big, I guess, story, I guess, for this month since the last time we were uh, on a podcast, uh, Gamescom. Uh, came and went, and Sony made some big, big news and big headway uh, with a lot of news for the Vita. Um, also, as well, they came out with a lot of move stuff and um, some new IPs. Bryce, uh, get a chance to take a look and see what Sony uh, brought out and debuted um, at Gamescom, um, which included things like uh, brand new IPs for the Vita, Killzone Mercenary, uh, Ratchet and Clank, Full Frontal Assault. Um, we also got to take a look at uh, Assassin's Creed Liberation and Black Ops Declassified. What were your thoughts? Well, I didn't see Gamescom, per se. I got the news trickled down to me over the next few days. Uh, a lot has been announced. They're really pushing the Vita sales, which is good, because it's a shame to waste any technology gaming technology, uh, like they have been doing in the past. Uh, mostly, I'm kind of excited for the the Assassin's Creed Liberation, uh, just because I'm interested in the female character and her backstory and everything. Now, I wanted to ask Jeremiah and Stephanie, um, whoever wants to go first, uh, did you get a chance to see the new Call of Duty Black Ops de Declassified? Um, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews on it for the Vita, but as Vita owners, uh, let me know your thoughts on, on what do you think um, it looks like at this point in time. Well, I mean, it looks all right. I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine myself playing, like, seriously at least, a first-person shooter on a portable. It just, I don't know how well it would work. I understand, I understand, because um, there's really only been one other uh, that was on the Vita previously, and that did not do so well. Um, I had said previously that I thought a Call of Duty on the on the Vita plus a, drive, uh, plus a price drop would probably make the uh, system much more attractive to consumers, and I hope that's going to be the case, because the Vita, it's a great unit, but it definitely needs a lot of help. Um, I did want to ask... Uh, Stephanie, and thanks again for coming on the podcast. Um, I did want to say, what are your thoughts? Did you get a chance to see what Capcom revealed uh, recently with its new IP that they debuted at Gamescom um, called Remember Me? Uh, yeah, I did look at it a little bit. It looks really interesting. I like the idea of it. It almost, um, when I first looked at it, it reminds me of the movie 
that came out a few years ago, Push, which was kind of a odd movie, but the concept behind it was really cool. She can go into people's minds and alter their memories. And then, of course, she loses her own and is having to find it. I think as long as they uh, work the story well, it'll be a really good game. Uh, I believe so as well. And it also reminded a lot of people of Watch Dogs from Ubisoft. And, and that this game was actually supposed to be debuted at E3, and they held off at the last minute. And I'm thinking maybe that was wonder, or wondering why, because they just similarities are there. But, you know, that can't go wrong. Um, I, I mean, the Capcom, I think, has made a good choice as far as this game is concerned. I, I really, to me, looks pretty good, and I'm hopeful for, for down the road that it'll keep on looking continually as good. Um, I did want to touch on, uh, in our in our news segment, I did want to touch on um, a DMC reboot that they also announced um, when it comes out. Um, they Actually, there's a pace in the past that uh, that's now coming to light, Virgil. Does this get you any more excited, guys, uh, as far as it's turned to play the DMC reboot, um, Bryce, at all, or did, are we still going to play it anyways? I'm still going to play it anyways. Honestly, uh, it looks pretty decent, even if it is a remake with a completely new, not new character, but new facelift on the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virgil... We'll probably have another facelift to it, but uh, I was probably still going to get it anyway, just because uh, I like the Devil May Cry series that much. Um, as far as the concern with Virgil was, uh, bro- I mean, uh, Jeremiah, um, do you really think that uh, Virgil will, will do something to increase a little more interest to consumers on it, or do you think it's just something that they threw in there that nobody really is going to give uh, too much concern with? Well, like, there's there's been quite a bit of backlash from the uh, Dante changes, so I think this might be possibly their way to cater to the fans a little bit more, to add a little bit more, uh, you know, familiar stuff for them. Um, I mean, I'm I'm fairly interested in it, too. Like, I remember when the first Devil May Cry came out, I, I got way into it. I mean, I'd seen the Japanese version in action and got to play it uh, at a store before... Uh, it even came out here, so I mean, I, I had a lot of fun with the series, so you know, I'm hoping they can continue on with it. Now, um, when you're talking about DMC, um, there's a lot of of you know people like you said that that when Dante was introduced, the new Dante, quote unquote, was introduced. People really took issue to it. In fact, he's being introduced. Uh, he's even going to be a character, the new Dante, um, in the Battle uh, All Stars Battle Royale uh, from PlayStation. Do you really think, uh, Stephanie, that this is something that Capcom should be doing, or should do you think they they still have time to revert back to the old Dante? Do you think this is something that they should do in order to cater to those longtime hardcore fans? Uh, I've actually not played the Devil May Cry series. I have it, I just have never gotten around to it. I've heard kind of mixed reviews. I've heard people that, you know, really are hardcore fans of the original Dante. And then I've heard people that do like the, you know, newer one too. It's kind of a toss-up for me because I can see, you know, how going either way would, you know, make some of their fan base happy. But I don't think at the point with there's so much of a rift between people 
who like the original Dante and who aren't happy with the newer one. I don't think there's any surefire way for them to make everybody happy. So kind of a toss up on what they do. Absolutely. No, I, I agree with you on that. I hadn't really gotten too much into the series. Um, and I, uh, I just know that they're, they're the fervor over the change in Dante. I really think that may not have been necessary. And I just, I don't know. It doesn't bode well for the reboot, but I think just because it is Devil May Cry that at least people will give it a look. Um, also in our news, um, I guess one of the major issues that's been taking place over the past couple of weeks is OnLive, um, the streaming service for gaming. Um, actually, for a time, went bankrupt and was looked like they had laid off their entire staff and was going to go out of business. But it got repurchased, uh, realigned from a um, a company, as far as concerned, that was looks like it was changed hands with the owners. Um, it looks like the OnLive company itself went under, but a new company owned by the same people that owns OnLive, if that makes sense, looks like they took it over and hired a good portion of the people back. Um, my question to you guys, uh, and that's just for anyone uh, of you three, was online something that you were looking into? Um, because it really thought that it was going to be part of the future as far as the streaming service is concerned. And with the issues that it has now, do you think it's something that uh, – people may think twice before they would ever invest, you know, in purchasing an online service again. Well, the uh, problems definitely don't help uh, help their situation a whole lot. I mean, they part of them, like, you know, closing down and then kind of reopening was so that they could avoid complete, you know, closure and bankrupt and everything. Um, but... I mean, I remember hearing about the service a long while back, and I mean, it it definitely has, I mean, a good idea behind it. Um, I mean, for those people that, you know, maybe can't afford, you know, a top-of-the-line system are then able to use this service to, you know, play those games at like, max settings. Um, I mean, I'd heard of some people that had used it and said it actually worked, you know, amazingly well. Like, I mean, it was just like playing it on your computer. Um, like, you know, there's, there was no lag or anything. So, I mean, the idea behind it, I think it's pretty solid. Um, I mean, if they can, you know, really, I, I guess, kind of pick themselves up from these problems and, you know, really well, get behind Sony, it. Well, Sony actually, you know, bought out its main competitor, the Gaikai service. And, uh, that bodes well for Gaikai, and and um, like you said, I mean, it, it is an interesting future for uh, that type of service. I think even the PS, you know, there's heavy rumors that the PS4 might actually incorporate that a great deal. Uh, Bryce, does this make this more attractive for you in the future as far as the PS4 is concerned, if that's the case? Um, if you could... Yeah, if, if you could use this to stream, I'm not sure how it would actually really work for the PS3 because you already have a console. This isn't this uh, uh, isn't this product for people who don't really have a console or computer to really play games on. Yes, because when you're buying the, it's it's a streaming service. When you're buying it, you're basically owning the the 
let's say you buy uh, NBA 2K12, and then you're buying it from the online service, and basically you get to access it any time off the cloud, and and it, it streams to you so you can play concurrently. Um, with online, if it had actually failed and completely went under, that would have been, you know, you couldn't have gotten your money back or anything of that nature. Um, but going forward um, with the Sony deal and, and with them purchasing Gaikai, um, this might lead to bigger things with the PS4 and, and you buying your, let's say, Uncharted 4 off the streaming service and it doesn't go to your hard drive. Uh, it just basically you'll be playing off the cloud. I mean, is that more attractive to you, do you think? It is to me. So it's. Uh, you know, with that, I see potential risk in you spending a bunch of money on games and then something happens. Because you don't have something tangible. Yeah, you don't have tangible. And, you know, if you if, say this site gets attacked, like many other companies have been in the past and they get everybody's passwords and the passwords changed and all your information is taken and changed. You're pretty much screwed out of money and then you don't get to play the games you've accumulated. I mean, if this thing gets big, I can see people attacking it in some way or another. Oh, you know they will. You can definitely know they will. I mean, they've already attacked Sony before successfully, so. True. This is, yep. Yeah, but that's uh, that's if this feature is integrated in the PS4, which I don't see how, unless you can stream it. Maybe it's a competitor for the Wii U, where you can stream it to a tablet or something in another room. You can play something else in another room while your TV is being occupied or something. Yeah. Um, well, I, I I know they're going to probably incorporate it. Some you know, Sony wouldn't spend five hundred million to buy Gaikai and and not use it. But uh, they I might have just bought it for the technology and nothing more. True. Absorb the technology for something later, not necessarily a, a PS4 adventure, but something else Sony might have in the back burner. TV or something of that nature. Yeah. Something. Sony's a Very big good. company and do a lot of things. Maybe we'll see it when we go to CES. Maybe. There you go. Another thing they could do, too, is uh, obviously you're paying for the game, but um, they could offer it at a discounted price, and you have access to it, say, for like a month. It could be a new way to rent games, and it would get them <coughs> sorry, it would get them some revenue for their own game, and you'd get the option of playing out a game and saying, you know, I don't know, do I want to go out to the store and pay full price? and, you know, have this game in my collection that I can pop on. And similar, I want to... oh, I was going to say, it's similar to what the PlayStation Plus does, where you have it as long as you're a PlayStation Plus member, or just having it for, uh, say, a 30-day trial period, and then it goes under, uh, it goes away. Yeah, I mean, I think that could work pretty well, because then people, you know, it, it's tough, you know, if a bunch of games are coming out, and you're like, well, I don't know which one I really want to get. With a service like that, you'd be able to try some different ones out and then really say, ah, oh, you know, I really liked that one. The other ones, you know, it was fun to play, but I don't want to go out and, you know, spend all that money on it. So you'd Absolutely. be able to play more games, be, <coughs> be a little more choosy, and really get a, a good uh, good amount of playtime for your money. 
That's but true. Then it would be competing with Gamefly, which is already very well known. And if but this if this uh, trend starts to get big, you know, Gamefly is going to develop something similar and just kind of crush this online thing. Well, yeah, but I mean, if it's built into the system, I mean, there's no membership to have. I mean, it's just something like, you know, you can pop on and say, hey, I want to try this new game. I mean, it makes it way better for, uh, you know, those casual, you know, gamers or just, you know, someone that doesn't like to have a bunch of memberships to everything. Yeah. Extra money for those memberships. Yeah, that could be true. Very true. Very true. Um, and uh, one last note on the news. Um, we do want to send our, our thoughts out to the people from Sony Liverpool, um, makers of uh, the Wipeout series, and then before that, in their previous iteration, their previous life, um, Psygnosis, for all those who old PC gamers out there like myself uh, with the Lemming series and whatnot. Sony decided to uh, close Liverpool Studios after 25 years last week. So our thoughts go out to them and as far as it's concerned. Bryce, Stephanie, or Jeremiah, do you have any thoughts about Lemmings or the Wipeout series? You know, those are the games that they're most likely, they'll most likely be remembered by. Yeah, I actually dumped quite a bit of time into Wipeout 64. Uh, one of my favorite racing games, actually. And I don't play a lot of racing games, but that one was really fun. So for me, it's kind of a little bit of a nostalgia. It's really sad to see him go because they were able to make good games. So. And I, I like as like you said, I'll, I'll miss Wipeout as well. If that's pretty much it, although Sony will hold the license, so if they want to do it again, I'm sure they'll get another company to do that. But uh, I do remember uh, playing Lemmings uh, quite a few years ago and and having a great time. So our thoughts go out to them. But on that note, before we head to a break, I want to make sure everybody. Uh, Again, uh, we'll be post this as soon as possible, but also as well, we'll be posting our fall preview show, uh, both the audio and video, up in the next few days as well. Catch us on www.yourgamesource.com, our Facebook site, GameSource, um, at uh, GameSource on Twitter, also yourgamesource.com, the entire word spelled out on YouTube and also on our Facebook site, you can always get information on how to download our mobile app, which will hopefully be coming soon to all the markets. But um, right after the break, I think we're going to do some reviews and our thoughts on some of the latest games that have just come out on the marketplace. I love it! Hey, we're back. Uh, it's the Game Source Podcast number 43 for everyone out there. I did forget to mention, and shame on me, uh, and my sincerest apologies to Media Molecule, uh, the makers of Little Big Planet. Um, at Gamescom, they did debut, debut the new Vita game coming out um, in the near future called Tearaway. And I know Stephanie and Jeremiah and Bryce during the, ba- and during the break scolded me heartily on it, and shame on me for doing that. But uh, um, I'll start with you, Stephanie. What were your thoughts when you got to take a look at Tearaway? Uh, when I first started watching the video, I was actually like, wow, this looks kind of like a little kid's game. But um, the further I watched into it, it looks like it's got some really great animations going on. It's uh, almost like a it's a 3D world, but with 2D, 2D shapes, like it's made out of paper. 
Um, and when you watch the video, you can see that this game is really going to incorporate a lot of the features of the uh, Vita. It's going to use the bottom touchpad, the top touchpad, the microphone, you know, the six axis tilting. It just it looks like a really great use of the capabilities of the system, and I think it's going to be a really good game for the Vita to help you know promote it, make it a little more widespread. I I agree. I was truly impressed with it myself, especially using the rear touch. Um, Bryce, do you think it would make it more uh, if that does does come out? Um, do you think it would make the Vita more attractive to you to buy? Uh, to me, it looks actually pretty attractive. Uh, and I agree with Stephanie. Is, uh, this game really encompasses all of the Vita's tricks. It uses all of the mechanics and technology there is, which uh, I can't really think of a game off the top of my head that uses pretty much the entire Vita system. So um, I'm interested to see what you can actually do with when the Vita is fully harnessed. Now, Jeremiah, um, you are an avid Vita user. You did an outstanding review on Gravity Rush, and uh, I did want to mention that uh, if you get a chance, people out there, check uh, his review on the under much underappreciated Gravity Rush at www.yourgamesource.com. Check out his review. Um, Jeremiah, what were your thoughts on Tearaway? Yeah, I was, I was uh, biting my tongue there because Gravity Rush – as I said when I did the review, like makes pretty full use of all the Vita's things. I don't think there's anything for microphone, but you know everything else. The you know the six axis, you know both touchscreens, well the back and the front, um, you know great use of all of it. And uh, I mean I'm glad to see another game out there that's going to be doing that uh, because I mean. You know, a lot of these games that they're putting out, I mean, you could just as easily throw on the PSP with less graphics. So, I mean, it's nice that they're, you know, actually using the system to its capabilities. And, uh, you know, it looks really good to me. I'm kind of up and down about Little Big Planet personally, but this game I'm already pretty interested on. I'm, I am as well, and I actually it might really, really, really... Uh, get me interested in purchasing a Vita. Um, but I'd still like to see a price drop, too, as well. Sony, if you're listening. Um, but I was on to our reviews. Um, wanted to cover a few games that have come out in the past couple of weeks. Um, we'll start off with... Um, well, I'm going to start off with one of Jamie's favorites, Expendables 2. Um, basically, we, he scored that a 2.5 out of 10. Um, just a four-player game that has a little bit of Smash TV at, at heart, um, but basically with the and you know everything from the voice acting to the graphics being a subpar, uh, it looks like it was you know when you play it, um, which you can see our review on not only on our Facebook page but our yourgamesource.com YouTube page, and then also a written review from Jamie on our website yourgamesource.com. Um, it really uh, was disappointing. Uh, it was everything it, it, it that you could say a movie tie-in game, uh, unfortunately, is uh, for the most part, and it really was uh, disappointing, and that was a 2.5 out of 10. Uh, Sleeping Dogs, which is another video that you can catch on our Facebook and your uh, YouTube pages, 
Um, and you can also see the written review on yourgamesource.com. Uh, that's an extremely, extremely fun game to play. Um, I, you know, glitches aside, um, it still was an extremely fun game to play. I do hardly recommend it for anyone out there that loves open world aspect games. Um, the the um, storyline, as far as it's concerned, is really a good one. Um, the voice acting is is top notch, and I really thought that it's a well made game. Uh, kudos to Square Enix for picking it up and allowing uh, this game to come to the shelves. Um, it's it's going to be a good game for a long time to come. The the fighting is very solid. The driving is very fun to do. Um, the shooting is just a little bit subpar, but other than that, um, it is a really solid game. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, Stephanie, you have Darksiders 2, I think, uh, on the mind. Yes, and I've been looking forward to this game for quite a while. Uh, Darksiders 1, of course, came out in 2007, I believe. Um, followed the story of war, the apocalypse. He got tricked into uh, bringing it early. And Darksiders 2, while it is technically a sequel, um, it's almost, it runs parallel with the first one. So you're playing as the second writer of the apocalypse, Death, and you're trying to redeem war. Uh, it actually takes place not during the uh, entire first game, but I believe during about the first 20 minutes while of the first game, War is in prison, and Darksiders 2 takes place during that. It's really good. They added a lot of new stuff. They added in um, a little more RPG elements to it. You get um, upgradable armor and weapons. Um, it's not in the first one. You got, you know, this weapon, you got Death Scythe, and then you got, you know, one of Strife's guns. Well, you still get that sort of stuff in Darksiders 2, but instead of having those set weapons that, you know, you have to use to get certain parts, you're able to get upgradable weapons. You have, of course, Death uses his Scythe, and then the other weapons, you can kind of adapt your play style. If you really want to play, just mash everybody. You can use those slow, like mace or hammer, and it's going to be slow, but it's going to hit really hard. Or you can go for a more faster, stealthy approach. You can get the um, gauntlets or the um, arm blades, tear people up really quick. Uh, the game did have some glitches. Uh, I actually ended up, one of my cutscenes, I don't know what exactly happened. It just sped through it really quick. Um, it was really weird. but. They had a lot of really good story to it. It was fun. It was really um, kept me drawn in. I stayed up for, I don't know, 16 hours playing it the first night it came out. But Wow. Yeah, I, I'm really addicted to it. But, but like I said, there were some glitches. Um, depending on how bad you got hit with the glitches, it, it could have uh, messed up your experience for the game. Mine, of course, weren't too bad, so I still gave it out a 9.5 out of 10. Great game. Fun to play. Loved it. Um, and my question to you, since it obviously it is, and it, uh, everybody, uh, Jamie himself gave it a great score as well, um, and you can read the, both the reviews on yourgamesource.com. Do you think this game will help THQ turn around in the right direction, or do you think it's going to be a critically appreciated but commercial 
uh, game that it doesn't get uh, over with the commercial crowd. You know, I really hope so. THQ and Vigil, they spent a lot of time and a lot of effort into advertising the game. We saw a lot more, uh, like I saw a lot more commercials for it online, a lot more, uh, you know, posts about it, talking about how they were developing it, how it was coming along. You know, I think they did a lot better job promoting it than they did the original one. So I really hope that it does help them out because they made a great game, and I want to see more from them. So you do want to see uh, a Darksiders 3 and the series continue? I would love to see it because I think they've got a really good IP going on. They've got a great story, and they took, you know, something that obviously has been around for a long time, the apocalypse, and made a really good story about it, about, like, an alternate timeline, you know, where it got screwed up and what might happen. So I'd love to see more of it. Because, you know, it just, um, with THQ, it's in such a tenuous position right now. And when the new CEO came on, he saw the Saints Row and Darksiders series as something he wanted, uh, was hinting that he might want to steer away from. I'm hopeful, as are you, um, and, and, and Jamie, and I'm pretty sure every fan, that has played it, that that's not going to be the case, and that uh, I hope THQ will uh, stand behind Darksiders in the future. Uh, well, next up on a review list is New Super Mario Brothers 2 for the 3DS. Um, and I think, Jeremiah, uh, I think you're going to lead us into that one. Is that correct? Uh, well, I mean, Steph did the review of it. I've Oh, she did. Oh, okay, that that was my fault. That no, no, please. If if well, I think oh, did you played a bit though. Oh, um, okay. So, so you, are you peeked over her shoulder or? Well, I stole it back. Oh, okay, there you go. Okay. Well, what were your thoughts, anyways? Uh, like I said, and, and you're right. It was Stephanie that put it on her yourgamesource.com website. So I do apologize for that. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, I've only gotten to play. I mean, I haven't gone through the whole seen yet, but, I mean, it is, I mean, you know, like she was saying, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, you know, it's Mario. You can't really go wrong there. But, uh, I mean, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, you know, well, if this is just, like, you know, the last one, then, you know, what's the point of getting it? But, I mean, it's, it's like saying that for, you know, anything like, you know, God of War. I mean, it's still, it's going to be a fun action game. I mean, Mario is more of a platformer. And uh, it does seem like they have a little bit more, you know, extra little puzzles here and there. Um, they focus more on, um, you know, obviously with the coins, you know, getting like crazy scores. And with having, like you can see almost, you know, right away from the first stage, there's a lot of different paths to take. So, you know, it's very much about the speed run. And there's a lot of people that are really into those speed runs. So it's finding that, you know, that perfect path take to maximize your score and time so i mean they did a lot for, for you know that that crowd do you think the coins is and I, i'm gonna ask stephanie this uh, do you think the coins is the right way to go as far as it's concerned because it's a you can amass a huge amount of coins this time uh yeah i mean it's, it's fun obviously uh run around just getting coins from everything one of the new things they added the uh like golden fire flower, anything it hits, it turns into coins. It either you know, completely demolishes it, it hits blocks, turns into coins. 
you know, it's a lot of fun to get all the coins, but at the same token, obviously in all the Super Mario games, when you get coins, you get 100 coins, you get a new life. So one of the things that I have heard about this one is there's really no, you know, sense of fear in trying a level over and over and over. If you're going to die, you're going to die, but you're going to make and get so many coins, have so many lives that there's no, there's no fear of having a game over. I think by the time I hit level two, I had, you know, over a hundred coins. Like it was ridiculous. Sorry, lives, not coins. Um, so, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of fear when you're playing. The coins are definitely fun. The coin rush mode's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think really, if you're playing a Mario game, you're, you want the levels, you want the, platforming you, you just want a core mario experience and i think as long as they give that to you it's going to be a fun game to play now i'd heard one of the criticisms uh of it already um is that it might seem dated and as jeremiah alluded to earlier it might be something that that you've seen before uh do you think it, it, was, it has a little bit of, as far as dated platforming is concerned or do you think it's something that when you play it it seems fresh and new I mean, it, it seems a little bit similar to the first one, New Super Mario Brothers. Um, but then again, there's only so much you can do in a 2D platformer. Um, they do have some different ones. Of course, you're going to encounter the same kind of, you know, puzzles and different stuff that you have to make that you have in other ones. So, okay. yeah, I have to kind of say, yeah, they are kind of recycling a little bit. But, you know, it is new levels. It is new, you know, you do have some new power-ups. We have some new fun stuff. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, and uh, I did want to turn to Bryce, who's been playing extensively Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Yes. And what are your uh, thoughts on that, my friend? My thoughts on it is it's it's Counter-Strike. If you haven't played Counter-Strike, then um, you ha- the game... A little backstory: Counter Strike was a a mod for Half Life. Um, someone developed it, and then it was good enough. It was so good that Valve actually came in, uh, helped assist in building the mod and developing it, and then they bought it out uh, and then sold it uh, as a game. Uh, which is what Valve does. Which is what Valve does well. Um, it's a first-person shooter that has not changed one bit in 12 years. The maps are all exactly the same uh, as they were in the original Counter-Strike, which is what people want. Uh, people people who play Counter-Strike expect to see Dust and Dust 2 and you know, Aztec and Italy. Um, the only thing that's new about Counter-Strike Global Offensive is the updated engine, graphics, uh, gun physics, that kind of thing that they always do when they bring out uh, a new Counter-Strike, like Counter-Strike Source did. This is just an overhaul visually and sensually. They did add in game modes similar to Call of Duty where they have arms race, which is essentially a gun game in Call of Duty. You kill one person, switch your gun, that kind of thing. And then they have Demolition, which is 
which is you a specific gun, and then to advance to to the next level of gun, similar to arms race, you have to eliminate. So uh, other than that, there's just the classic team deathmatch and basic uh, community servers. Uh, the community servers don't have anything too crazy yet because the game has only been out since the the 21st of August, so they haven't really tinkered with it to make their own crazy maps and and game modes, you know, like Trouble in Terrorist Town or anything like that. And so. correct me if I'm wrong, they decided to nix the cross-platform play, is that correct? Uh, if I remember correctly, yeah, they decided against it, um, but you never know, it could come back out sooner or later down the line if it, if it develops enough traction it could see its way to most likely Xbox consoles. Well, I mean, because Xbox and PSN both, um, I mean, they also came out concurrently with the PC. Um, and I know Jamie's review is based off the, the uh, PSN. Um, my question is, um, do you think if you were to play it on a console, you were able to find the same enjoyment that he says he has from playing it um, on both versions? Uh, well, I play a lot of the Counter-Strike that was on consoles, but um, the real gem in Counter-Strike is the custom-made maps, from Surf maps to uh, Pokemon maps, you know, that kind of stuff. The game modes that people can create and then share with the community is vast and Ex, uh, you know, extensive, which you just can't do on consoles because they don't have that technology yet. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that will uh, come in the next generation myself. So I, I enjoy playing mods as well. Yeah, they have some things that can do it, but just not uh, as in depth as a PC community can do with things. Well, you know, that would be cool, though, if they added, you know, hey, Valve, listen to this, doing DLC maps of the best mods for the PC, and you make DLCs to $3, even $5 for a series of mods that you send to the PSN and Xbox Live. Would that be, do you think that would be possible? It would be possible. I mean, they could, um, they could see what's extremely popular and kind of tweak it and make it their own and then do that as a DLC kind of like Trouble in Terrorist Town, or uh, uh, if for people who don't know what Trouble in Terrorist Town is, it's essentially uh, a giant game of Clue, where one person is an assassin, and he has to sneak around and eliminate everyone else without them figuring it out. Or um, the, the surf maps, where people generate their own maps, and you have to uh, bunny hop your way through to the end. Or the Pokemon mod, which is incredibly... Uh, successful where you can catch Pokemon and then uh, use them, use their moves to actually do combat in a first-person shooter uh, environment, which is actually really cool. If you haven't tried it out, I suggest you guys should check one of those servers out. There you go. I think I will. Um, and, well, speaking of the PC... Uh, last but not least, I think Jeremiah is going to give us his thoughts on uh, actually one of the best PC titles to come out this year, Guild Wars 2. Take it away, sir. Well, uh, I already did a pretty extensive like beta impressions kind of review thing 
Well, now that the game has come out, um, do you see a much more extended polish on it, or? Well, they've definitely, um, you know, fixed up, you know, some of the initial bugs. Like, there were some things that, uh, like when you're doing story quests, like a lot of times, well, it would say, you would even say on their work in progress, and like, sometimes voices or animations would be gone. Um, I mean, obviously all of that is, you know, complete now. Um, there has been some initial, like, launch problems, but amazingly, uh, it's, it's actually been running pretty well. Like, uh, they are having problems right now with the, uh, it's called the Black Lion, um, Trading Co. And, uh, like, I think it's down right now while they try to fix it. Um, but it's, like, essentially, it, it's well it's everything it's their auction house is in there um you can buy you know the gems which is kind of their real money uh currency to get you know mostly cosmetic stuff and other like boosts is if i may ask has it been a smoother start though for players than diablo 3 or a little bit worse oh yeah like way better i mean like uh i will admit i saw some people in the in the map chat which is basically anyone on the map can you can see what they're saying but some people were complaining about lag um i personally didn't get any bit of lag whatsoever um i did eventually like uh i can't remember how many hours i was playing um and i had gotten kicked and i guess a lot of people had gotten the same problem where it kicked a bunch of people out, and then because the login servers were having some issues, and then now with all these people getting kicked out, more people were hammering it, and then, like, nobody could get in. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of similar to Diablo 3, except with Diablo 3, it was right off the bat, nobody could get in. Um, but, I mean, really, it's been running pretty, pretty dang well. I mean, it, this is the head start, obviously, and it launches on the 28th. Um, so, I mean, we'll have to see how many more people are joining in than, I, I think a pretty good number of the people that were wanting to buy it are in there already, but, uh, I mean, it seems to be running great, so, I mean, that's better than most MMO launches. Well, that's good to hear, because I know after the Diablo 3, uh, issues, uh, that turned, Really, uh, really sour for a lot of people. Um, so I'm hoping Guild Wars 2 will be, uh, as successful as well. Looks like it's off to a great start. And that's it for the reviews for this week. If you want to see our written reviews for all these games, plus also as well Jamie's reviews of Sound Shapes, Papa and Yo, and more, just check us out at www.yourgamesource.com. Right after the break, it's our world famous round table of doom doom the round table of doom and we're back with the game source podcast and it's that time again for the round table of doom Doom. Doom. And this week, I just wanted to ask everyone 
their thoughts to the events that, that we covered recently here at GameSource, first of which was the Classic Gaming Expo of 2K12, held at the Plaza Hotel here in Las Vegas. Now, Bryce, uh, you and I got to visit there firsthand. Uh, what were your thoughts of the Classic Gaming Expo and as far as the, the scope of it, as far as it for video gamers? Um, as far as the scope, it's it's a pretty big niche. Uh, only older gentlemen and uh, hipster gamers were there that I saw. Um, being there, it was really cool to see a lot of technology that was around before I was even born, and uh, the 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 controllers that gamers used way back then were a lot different than they were now. There's no comfortably fitting in your hand. Some of them were just clunky and weird. Some of them look like TV sets and typewriters and all kinds of other things, but it was really good to see the evolution uh, actually shown there at Classic Gaming Expo. They, they had a whole room dedicated to pretty much the, the evolution of of console gaming all the way up to uh, the current generation. And it was neat to see all the little gadgets and, and old, what were they, computer gaming magazines that were laying around with old titles I used to play with when I was six or seven. Uh, <laughs> or me when I was a little bit older. Um, I did remember playing the Atari 2600. Uh, I remember got, getting one. Pong. I remember fondly my Commodore Amiga and, and my ColecoVision and uh, just seeing all the sites there. And if you get a chance next year, if you are really into retro gaming, I do recommend you stopping by there. If They've talked about doing it on a bi-yearly basis. Um, I'm hoping that they'll reconsider and they'll do one next year. If that's the case, uh, we've talked about even setting up a booth there. Um, and a game source booth I know would be really make Classic Gaming Expo really a fun place to be. But if you are into retro gaming, either purchasing items there as far as old games from the past or just checking out the of the video game museum that they had on display, everything from the Atari computer, like you said, on up, was really, really, really just fascinating to look at. And if you didn't get a chance, just stop by our Game Source Facebook page and check out the photos there. We have an extensive library of photos from the Classic Gaming Expo. Um, and I, I said I truly enjoy my time there, and my thanks goes out to the entire staff at the Classic Gaming Expo who gave us a warm reception and allowed us uh, access to the entire show itself. My next thing I want to touch on was something that we actually uh, got to attend to and took some pictures as well recently, which was AnimegaCon 2K12 as well, 2012. I wanted to ask you, Stephanie, since you said uh, during the break, in regards to anime, the pictures that we took there showed the, the, the potential that the show has for the future. Uh, what are your thoughts, because you said strongly about Anime Vegas, what are your thoughts about AnimegaCon if you had actually had a chance to go, and is it something that you think you might go going forward, seeing what you saw the pictures up line? Um, yeah, I actually, I didn't find out that it was here until, I believe, Sunday, and it was almost over. Um, it's a 24-hour convention, goes on all weekend in Vegas. It was the first year of it. Um, it was actually a pretty expensive admission fee, if I remember correctly. 
um, which is kind of weird for a first year con. But um, from what I heard, what I read, what I saw in the pictures, it, it was a, you know, class A act. It, they had, you know, a lot of stuff that you would see at a more established con. But, you know, everybody's got to start somewhere. And I think they definitely kicked uh, their first con off with a good bang. And I know you wanted to touch a little bit on the classic gaming expo as well. Um, it, I know you, I apologize that you didn't get to go to that, but I know that you have, uh, like being a huge gamer that you are, that you has, you have a, a extensive library as far as games are concerned and the history of, of gaming consoles. Can you share that with us, sir? Well, uh, like I was, Actually, I mean, I grew up kind of as gaming started. Um, I mean, I I did have an Atari, but uh, I was actually more into the Commodore 64. Um, nice. Playing that a ton. Nice. I mean, I'm pretty sure I probably still have have hidden pieces between you know here and where I used to live and, and other places. But uh, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I got many of the systems that they came out, and then as I got a little bit older, like, I actually started going back and collecting, you know, some of the ones that I missed out on, like the Saturn, and, you know, I got, I'm pretty sure I have a 3DO somewhere, she has an Odyssey. Odyssey 2. And, yeah, we have a bunch of stuff, and it's like, (laughs) I'm really, I'm really mad that I, that I missed out on that con, but of course, it might have been bad, because I might have had to, uh, start spending a bunch of money. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I wish I had known about it because I would have loved to come, even though I have a really awkward work schedule. But, I mean, there's just something amazing about playing older games, and there's still, it doesn't matter, you know, if it's Pong. It's fun to go back and play and see. Just like when I got my Odyssey 2, it was actually at my grandma's house. We found it while we were, like, rummaging through stuff. Plugged it up to an old TV. You know, it has to be plugged up to an old TV. It gets messed up if you plug it up to a new TV. And, you know, we were playing Sneak and Spell on it, which is so dorky but it's just it's fun to see those old games and see where you know the games that we have today where they all started and get to experience it because i obviously i was born after a lot of stuff came out nintendo is older than i am but i still love nintendo i have one go back and play it every once in a while it's the charm of nostalgia of it correct yeah like it's always really fun just to go back to them just like the good classics, like going back and playing Legend of Zelda. I could play the original Legend of Zelda any day of the week and still enjoy it because it's a good game. And a lot of people discount older games, I think. And I think that the games, uh, I think they're going back and seeing the older games and letting people get an appreciation for those games where, yeah, it doesn't look amazing. It's not, you know, super yeah. high def. But the game itself, the core of it, the action in it, they were still amazing games for their time. Well, can I ask you this? And actually, this is for for any of you guys, if you wanted to answer that as well. Do you think that these publishers these days and these development companies these days can, can learn and take a lesson from these older games and what they did? Or do you think they've forgotten where they've been? And, and are heading into a completely different direction and not remembering the past the way they should. Well, it's funny. I think a lot of the bigger companies kind of have lost their way. Um, like, uh, you know, Square with 
Final Fantasy is probably a pretty good example there. Um, but, I mean, they are putting out some other good games. So, I mean, a lot of the companies are kind of hit and miss right now. But I think, for the most part, uh, the indie developers are really where those, like, kind of core, classic, you know, like, good games are coming out at, like, the really good, innovative stuff. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more because um, uh, when we went to E3 and we went to the Indicate and we saw, got the chance to talk to and sit down with a lot of the developers of these games, they had a lot of – a lot of these games did have a lot of heavy influence uh, from those older and classic games. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Bryce, did you have any thoughts on that or – no, everything I pretty much wanted to say was said. Now, if uh, anybody get, did want to get a chance to see some of those independent games, that we do have the videos up on our YourGameSource.com YouTube channel, just in case they want to check out some of the games. In fact, one of Corey's favorites, Hakra, really reminds me of some old classic Nintendo and even Atari uh, influence in there as well. But... Uh, I guess that takes care of it for this week for the Roundtable of Doom. Like I said, we're hopeful that next year at AnimegaCon we can go to that as well as the Classic Gaming Expo if they do the next one next year. Um, I did also want to say that, Stephanie, I know you you were looking forward to, and Jeremiah along with that is looking forward to Anime Vegas, and I hope we can cover that later this year. Yeah, uh, we're really excited to go. I'm going to dress up. Um, we're definitely going to go grab game stores. Uh, hopefully we can get in, get some great pictures, get some uh, great views from it. Some video as well. Now, what are you going to be dressed up as, if I may ask, or is it a secret? Uh, I guess it's not really a secret. I actually, um, a couple weekends ago, pulled out my mom's like 20-year-old sewing machine and uh Completely made uh, from scratch my own outfit of Tsubaki from Uncle Leader. Nice. Nice. And a bigger question is, what is Jeremiah going to go dressed as? Well, uh, when I get around to it, he will be Blackstar. Oh. We got a match if we're going together, right? Very nice. I thought he was just going to say Jeremiah is going to go as Jeremiah. (laughs) He might win, but it's not happening. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, well, that does it this week for the Roundtable of Doom, and we'll be right back with some final thoughts. Thank you, everyone. Your life force is running out. And we're back. Closing thoughts. Just wanted to thank everyone for joining us on the Game Source Podcast number 43. Again, it's www.yourgamesource.com. The greatest place to go for all that it is, video games, for the best opinions, Um, We've got a great staff working on a lot of great things. I've got three of them here with me today, Bryce, Stephanie, and Jeremiah. Um, I'm telling you right now, we've got a lot of great stuff coming down. We've got a lot of live shoots. We were just talking about that during the break, all the great places we're going to go, all things we're going to cover. And then I just wanted to let you know that got the, again, the fall preview special that we recorded recently from We Play Games here in Las Vegas. Uh, that'll be coming very soon, uh, both the audio and video versions to yourgamesource.com. That's a big one, too, I'll tell you. Bryce, anything down the road coming from you? Uh, I'm working on getting together the uh, Let's Play with GameSource uh, events, I should say, uh, most likely bi-weekly. 
um, as soon as I get everything worked out, uh, we should be able to hold those pretty soon. Sounds good. Stephanie, what have you got cooking? As a giant World of Warcraft uh, addict, I'm excited about 5.0 dropping previous patch, so I'll be writing something up about that. Sweet. And Mr. Jeremiah, I know you've got a couple things up your sleeve. Yeah, I just want to talk about some uh, partially and maybe not, not so far sleep forgotten uh, fighting games that I wish would come back. Um, and I'm pretty big fighting game fan, so there's quite a few that I'd like to see again. And then uh, also have a mini review on a 3DS game called Might and Switch Force. And speaking of fighting games, I just wanted to mention um, on our yourgamesource.com page, if you get a chance, take a look at the video that we did, the Roundtable of Doom, Are Fighting Games Considered Mainstream? Uh, that was something that we really, really uh, did a lot of good work on and, and had a lot of great thoughts on there. But, again, that's on the yourgamesource.com. The entire word spelled out for you on the YouTube page are also as well your game source on iTunes can't forget iTunes my goodness um, at game source on Twitter game source on our Facebook and then don't uh, if you have any questions just email us at your game source at yahoo.com or if you need the link to download the app that's now in beta uh, which has all of our great stuff for our videos Facebook Twitter events happening as well if you need an event calendar right there for you that's, that's where it's at just email us at, yeah, at yourgamesource at yahoo.com and also as well we also gets posted on our Facebook and our website as well www.yourgamesource.com so for me, Gerald better known as Yes Elvis Lives Scott Bryce uh, Good night world, don't do drugs <laughs> Jeremiah Super pouring out and Stephanie. Goodbye, world. This is Game Source Podcast 43. Everyone have a great evening. <laughs> <laughs>